Pope St. John Paul II said that discovering Christ always again and always more fully is the most wonderful adventure of our life. Blazing the Trail is a weekly conversation where we talk about this adventure with courage and hope while sharing stories about what the Holy Spirit is doing in Western Oregon and beyond. Welcome back to Blazing the Trail, heard here on Mater Dei Radio and through the podcast channel for the Archdiocese of Portland. I am your host, Miriam Marston, and each week we get a chance to look at the mission of evangelization from a variety of different angles. In recent weeks, I've talked to a priest, an illustrator, an author, a bishop, and this week I'm chatting with a singer-songwriter by the name of Sarah Hart. And if you're a regular listener to the show, you'll know I have a heart for songwriting. So I was really grateful to hear Sarah's story and her reflections on how faith and music are so profoundly connected. You'll hear Sarah talk about the importance of poetry, and she says that in poetry, you have to cram a lot of information into a short little blurb, and I'd say that goes for songwriting as well. And as I was reflecting on that part of our conversation, I thought of this analogy with evangelization, with preaching the gospel. If you only had a few minutes to share the story of what God has done in the world and in your life, what would you say? How might you summarize why Jesus came into the world, why He suffered, died, rose from the dead? It can be an awful lot of ground to cover, and here is where a song can play such a pivotal role, because a lot can be communicated in even just a few minutes. That's, that's the power of words and melody coming together to offer a glimpse into the incredible ways that God has moved through history, through time, never ceasing to move towards us and to sweep us up into this astounding love story, which is the saga of salvation. Now, you might have heard it before. We are made in the image and likeness of God. And that's not just a a nice thing to believe. It changes everything about how we understand our identity. And one aspect of that identity is our own desire to create. If we're made in the image and likeness of a God who is endlessly creative, is it any surprise that we find in our own DNA that same strain of creativity? And we can collaborate with the Holy Spirit in so many creative ways, from planting a garden to composing a symphony to building a bridge across a river. So let's be open to that call to use our gifts well so that we can give something beautiful back to God and to the world. So please enjoy my conversation with Sarah as she shares her memories of attending Mass in the woods, listening to all sorts of music growing up, and how she has witnessed the faithfulness of God in the last year. Joining me on the show today is Sarah Hart, who is a singer, songwriter, and speaker. Sarah, thank you so much for taking the time to chat. How are you today? Thank you so much, Miriam. It's so good to be here with you. I am well, and I have to apologize in advance if you hear a leaf blower outside my window. <laughs> One thing about the pandemic, we're always fighting the weed whackers and the, <laughs> the leaf blowers. That would make two of us. There's one outside here as well. So it, it'll be, it'll be, it'll be great fun. <laughs> wonderful. Wonderful. <laughs> well, Sarah, let's go ahead and dive in. Let's see. What did Sarah Hart, the early years look like? So where did you grow up? What did faith and church look like? And when did you start doing music? Uh, well, I grew up in Southeastern Ohio um, at the tip of App- Appalachia mm-hmm. and uh, had a really beautiful, I, 
I don't know how else to say it except to say I truly had a charmed childhood. Um, I did grow up without a father. I never knew my father. And some people would think, really, you had a charmed childhood? But listen, like I lived with my mom, my aunts, my grandparents, my great grandparents. So just I was just in the family, like, you know, we had this beautiful family experience and a lot of strong women in that family. So um, very much grew up. And of course, I, I was a child in the 70s. So very much grew up with that spirit of feminism alive and well, but also the spirit of church. And, you know, I was just I was just talking to my pastor about this the other day. Because I grew up in the 70s, because I grew up in Southeastern Ohio, I like to tell people that I had what I like, I lovingly refer to as a hippie Catholic experience. So I grew up um, with mass in the woods and like my mom was part of this group called Queenia and we met, we, we bought like a log cabin in the middle of nowhere in the Hocking Hills and we went out every weekend and had mass and sang songs and played games and told stories into the night and the children would sit at the adults feet and learn and like it was just a, a freedom. There was such a freedom in my faith. And, and I tell people that because, you know, sometimes I feel like as church a little bit, we have moved away from the freedom of faith. And I never felt the presence of God in my heart and in my life more strongly than when I was a child experiencing mm -hmm. the wonder of nature mixed in with the wonder of church mixed in with the wonder of, you know, the Eucharist in the middle of the woods. Like, I don't know. I don't know how to explain that, but God and nature are very intertwined. And so I think faith was such a free, a thing of freedom. Uh, it was a place of freedom for me growing up. And so did, uh, did you have siblings? Uh, yes, I have one sibling, my sister, Jess, who's 13 months older than me. We're kind of Irish twins and uh, she's a wonderful human being. And uh, yeah, we, we grew up together and had that beautiful Southeastern Ohio childhood experience together. Awesome. What did, uh, like, did you pray as a family? What did that look like? Well, it's very interesting. Like I, I, okay. It's kind of a long story. You know, I lived with my grandparents, my grandfather and my grandmother, yeah. my mother's parents yeah. and my mother. And so my grandfather was actually Presbyterian and my grandmother was Catholic and wow. they eloped because they fell in love in the days when that was considered a mixed marriage wow. and their families would not let them marry each other. So wow. um, my, my grandmother's brother who happened to be a priest smuggled them across the state line and married them across the state line. Wow. And so I love to say that I grew up in a very ecumenical household because my grandfather and my great grandma, his mother, they were very Presbyterian. Um, my, my grandma Rosie and all of her children, they were mostly Catholic, but you know, faith and ecumenism was completely just a way of life, alive and well. And my grandparents went to separate churches their entire marriage and prayed wow. together every day. Um, we prayed grace together every day at every table. And so it, it was never like, like denomination was never kind of an issue. It was just, eh, we all love the same Lord. You know, it was so, so it's hard for me to see sometimes because I live in the South now yeah. and it's hard for me to see when people make a big deal of denomination. Cause I'm like, really? Like, <laughs> we all play for the same team. I just have to tell you that, you know, we all love the same Jesus. So it's very interesting, but that was a good experience for me because of what I do now and ministry all over the world with so many different people. That's been a real help to me to understand love for all people and love across denominations and care for our brothers and sisters of different faiths of different religions too, yeah. you know?
Yeah. Well, actually, that segues nicely, Sarah, because I, I now want to see what led you into sort of the direction that, that you went into with music and ministry. Yeah. What did that look like? How did the Lord lead you in that way? Well, I think that God was preparing me for that since I was a small child. I, you know, I grew up in that crazy, free, lovely, hippie Catholic church experience. And um, a lot of times at church or at church events, uh, the kids would all be off playing and I would be sitting at the feet of every adult who had a guitar in their hand, just soaking it up, listening to songs, learning harmony, watching their fingers so I could learn how to play the guitar. Um, And and my family is very musical. I come from a, a very, very musical family. So that was, I think, planted in me very early. Um, and I wasn't sure I was going to go the route of music, quite honestly, although it's always been such a huge part of who I am. But I was in high school and I had a wonderful, wonderful band director. Wonderful. Just a great guy um, who taught me so much. And I remember one day he pulled me into his office and he said, tell me what you're going to do with your life. This was, you know, probably my sophomore, junior year. And I said, um, well, I think I might be a pediatrician. And I remember him laughing out loud, like laughing so hard. And he just smacked me on the shoulder. He's like, Sarah, you're not going to be a pediatrician. You're going to be a musician. You're not going to be able to help yourself. And, and I think it was the first time I realized that that path had already been chosen for me, kind of whether I liked it or not. <laughs> yeah. So I have lived a life of music ever since. Um, wow. Just was made and prepared for me, I think is the word. My dad calls it living a guided life. And I think that's very true for me. When you were growing up, can you remember some of the songs that really stood out that caught your attention in your heart? Oh, my goodness. So many. Um, you know, I grew up at the time of glory and praise. So things like Be Not Afraid and things like, uh, you know, Here I Am, Lord, Sing to the Mountains is one that's so stuck in my heart forever and ever. Um, that was kind of my era. But I also... I also loved all kinds of music. I cut my teeth on folk music. So Appalachian music and kind of uh, singer songwriter music. I loved Broadway. I'm a huge Broadway geek. So I loved listening to any kind of soundtrack I could get my hands on. And of course I loved uh, rock and roll. (laughs) What can I say? I did. Everybody in my house was always listening to so many different kinds of music. And I, I think that's beautiful because to me, music is born of the creator. And so in essence, all music, no matter what kind it is or what it says or how it is played, it is an expression of, of creator God, whether people observe that themselves or not, whether people like that or not, I fully believe that. So um, having a broad palette musically, I think is a good thing, a really good thing. It has been for me. Definitely. Even if maybe some of the rock and roll might or Broadway doesn't figure maybe explicitly in the music <laughs> that you write or do now, but to be fashioned by all those different styles and informed, mm-hmm. um, I think gives a, yeah, kind of rounds out the the formation for sure. It really yeah. does. It really does. And there's a lot to be said for like the theology of rock music. I'm just here to tell you the theology of folk music. I mean, there's a lot to be said for it, for how, how many times people write about faith and even write about faith unknowingly, you know, just write about yeah. struggle. And uh, so I see it kind of all as, as holy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. 
so the are you on the road like doing retreats, uh, talks, uh, events? Sarah, what? Okay, I know it's been an odd year with COVID, but <laughs> let's say it's a non-COVID year. What does life look like? Oh, a non-COVID year. It's hard to remember that far I back, know. right? I know. Well, for me, uh, I travel quite a bit. I travel extensively and I'm mostly at parishes, mm -hmm. which is my personal favorite thing to do. Um, some people love, you know, the big arenas and those are fine. But like, I much prefer mm -hmm. parish mission. I think it's because I grew up in a small church. And so I love a small church. I love to go to a community and spend three days at a community and meet people and sing with the choir and get to know the pastor a little bit. Um, I And actually, you know, my thing in a non-COVID time is hugging every single person I meet, staying after every concert until I've talked to everybody who might want to talk to me. I, I just really uh, adore engaging. And I think that, you know, this is, this is the spirit of Christ, really. It's the spirit of Mary. Um, yeah. We, we engage people, we engage community when we travel and that's, what's in it for me. I, I love it so much. I can't even tell you. So I do a lot of different things. I'll go to a parish and give a concert usually. And then I might do an extra day or two of mission uh, mm -hmm. parish missions where I lead and talk and speak and, you know, teach faith formation. I love to do women's events. That's one of my favorite things to do. Um, of course, because I'm kind of a, for lack of better terminology, comedian. And I love to bring my funny stories because I, I just think faith and humor are so mixed up. And if you cannot look at your life and faith in the perspective of humor and comedy, you are just doing something wrong. I mean, because it's hilarious. I mean, trying to live a human life, but be a faithful person is hilarious day in, day out. Um, so I love, yeah, I love to do all that. And I, I do travel quite a bit. And then I songwrite and record, of course, quite a bit. So um, it looks busy. It looks busy. But, you know, I will say, I'm sorry, I'm just kind of going on here. Oh, no, this great. this year has been such a lesson because in March I was in Wisconsin and mm -hmm. that's when COVID kind of hit. And it was so weird because people were coming to the concert and bringing me antiviral Kleenex and hand sanitizers and like, all, <laughs> yeah. and all these things. And it was just beginning. And, um, and I remember coming home and as I got off the road, I had a, a call with my booking person and we just decided this is the last event. Like, this is it. We're canceling everything because we, we knew that it's very communicable. And so we just canceled the rest of the year wow. as, as churches were going, going to do anyway, we decided to just make the decision for them, you know? And in that moment, I remember hanging up the phone and saying, Lord, what am I going to do? Because 90% of my income has been the road being on the road. And so I was very scared of not just losing my people and my ministry and the thing that I love, but also not being able to provide for my family. And oddly, this year has been busier than ever, and God has blessed it. And I have been presented with new opportunities that have happened, like we talked about a little bit, new opportunities that I never would have thought would yeah. come my way. And just to see the faithfulness of God in it, to be able to look back on this year and go, wow, this is amazing how God takes care of us. Amazing. You know, mm -hmm. so I don't know what to say about it, except I've learned so much. And COVID has been nothing but a year of wow, insight and blessing for me. Yeah. It's been a year of trust, too. I think, like yes. you say, to see that faithfulness of God, knowing that, oh, yes, this is the God that we believe in. He's good and we trust. And uh, to 
I, I have found personally that trust building up kind of week after week, month after month, especially as it became harder and harder to plan um, yeah. and to look ahead, knowing that, well, God sees ahead and can see a way forward. Um, mm-hmm. And it's okay that we don't see that, um, but to have that trust in a very, very good God. Uh, for those who are just tuning in, I am speaking with Sarah Hart, who is a singer, songwriter, and speaker. And Sarah, in your work, in your ministry, in your writing, how have you come to see music at the service of the mission of evangelization? How have you seen that at work? I think the most powerful thing that I could say about music is that I see the way it changes hearts. I see with my own eyes, it's, it's hard to explain, but from the vantage point of an altar, when I'm sitting at the piano or I'm standing at the guitar and I can see the faces of people and watch the faces of people, you can literally see God having a moment with specific people. It's a very humbling thing and a very powerful thing. And I, I never underestimated. It's one thing for you and I to have a conversation and talk and go to heart to heart. It's such a different thing. And I don't know why, except to say it's, it's a miracle that God created, but such a different thing to, to take those words and put them to a melody. Yeah. And something so powerful about that, that people respond to. And I have seen it over and over and over again in my ministry. And I kind of lovingly joke that if you don't make somebody cry, you're not doing it right. But it's really true. Like you can see the moment that a song changes someone. And it doesn't even have to be, you know, at a at church or at a Christian concert per se. Like I have pulled over and cried a couple of times on the road in my car, just listening to a secular song on the radio for the first time and being so moved. And I tell people that is the Holy Spirit. That is God moving your heart. That's an emotion that you need to feel. That's a place that you need to go. Like that is holy. It really is. And so I see music being a tool of healing, an evangelical tool of healing and helping people to to gain a clarity about something in their life. It's so oddly powerful, right? Yeah. And that's, and I'm glad you mentioned that. I was going to ask, where do you hope? Because you don't want the experience just to end there. You know, you want it to lead to somewhere else. So I was going to ask, like, where do you hope that music leads people to? Because isn't that the whole point of evangelization is to keep, help, help draw people back to Christ. Um, So yeah. How do you see that, that music taking the lead? That is the hardest part of what I do, I think, because any of us who are itinerant ministers, we go to a church, we share our songs and our music, we're there for a few days, and then we go home. And we get no ability to really, you know, once in a while, people will email and you can talk to them and stay in touch with them through email. But I, yeah. I think overall, you don't get to be the that in that person's spiritual journey from that moment on. Yeah. So that's very, very frustrating. But what you can do you know, I always encourage people afterwards, find music that you like, find something here, take a CD, find some music that you listen to that can help you heal, sit with it for 15 minutes a day, make sure you have it in your car to listen to, because yeah. that does continue to heal this, your, you on your spiritual journey. And, you know, you can't, it's very frustrating. You can't force people to come to mass. You know, my favorite people in concerts to see are the husbands that begrudgingly come with their wives and you can always pick them out. They're sitting there, their arms are crossed. They're mad that to be there, they don't want to be there, but their wife dragged them to this thing. And by the end of it, they're crying. 
Yeah. By the end of it, they're coming to you afterwards and they're hugging you. So, so we do know that people need this. And mm-hmm. I'd say it's the continued job of the church musician, the mm-hmm. pastor, the lay ministers to rally around people um, and to say, come to, come to mass, come to church, come to this thing we're doing, come stand in the choir for a night and see if you like it. You know, this is this, this concept of invitation is so important to our faith yeah. and, and I don't see it happen enough. And I, I want every person to feel that they are invited, come to the table, come to this, that, you know, be invited. Yeah. And I, I think you're right that music has, a particular way of extending that invitation. But you're right then, if you are if you leave town, it really is then the responsibility of the community and the leaders in that community. Um, and I'd say every member of that community to help whatever seed has been planted, you know, with the help of the music and maybe the, a talk that you gave that has to flourish in community. It doesn't kind of... Yes. Yeah, it has to go somewhere. <laughs> That is the trickiest thing. You know, community is so important. And in this year of COVID, community has been so hard. And I've been doing these choir nights with people. So Mm -hmm. like just these free hour visits with different choirs from all over the country on Zoom. And I would say about 50% of them will say we haven't seen each other in a year. And it's so, it's just devastating. And I kind of yell at them and I'm like, y'all get on the phone once a month, even just to say, I love you and see each other face to face. And because it it is all about community. And I would say this too, as a traveling minister, I can walk into a parish and within 10 minutes sense the level of community that that parish has just simply by walking in the door and feeling the experience I have with the people and the way they love each other and the way they talk Mm -hmm. to each other. You know, I always say, give me a parish office that I can walk into and people are like making fun of each other or or getting on each other's nerves because that's the parish that they love each other and they know each other well enough and care about each other (laughs) to call each other out. And they are in the trenches and experiences with one another. And that's beautiful to me. Yeah. Sarah, as a songwriter, uh, do you have a certain method to your songwriter or songwriting? Are there um, sources that you like to go to over and over again, which just help inspire your music and your lyrics? Well, I would say my method is chaotic. Um, I feel sometimes that songwriting for me, I do work well under pressure, but but for songs that I love, like the best love songs that I have are songs that I like to say just fell from the sky. Yeah. They were hovering in the air and I just picked out the words from the air and put them on a page. And those are the songs that for me are very close and very special because I feel like those were just given. Those were just given to me. Um, yeah. And in terms of the thing that I go to consistently for writing I would say there are two things. One is scripture. I do love to be inspired by scripture and write from scripture. Um, and, and that's very important to me. But the other thing is poetry. I am a huge, huge poetry fan. I have millions of books on poetry that I'm looking at as I talk to you. Um, I collect old books, new books, anything, because I think that words are so beautiful. I'm, I'm such a geek for words and, People don't think of words as a gift of God, but the language, language, no matter what language you speak is beautiful and words are beautiful. And um, to the challenge of turning a word into a sentence that in a way that nobody has ever heard before mm-hmm. is so cool. And I love that. I'm geeky for that. And I tell people the, the 
thing about poetry is it reflects songwriting and that they're short little blurbs. You have to cram a lot of information into a short little blurb. And so like, um, to be able to do that is, is kind of why I study poetry the way that I do. Um, because, you know, you can take, you can take a small blurb and then make it a song, but also, uh, in order to be a good writer, you have to be a good reader. So if you're not, if you're trying to write and you're frustrated as a lyric writer, it's honestly because you don't read enough. And poetry is a really great way to read because you can just read one or two things in a day and it takes you 10 minutes, right? But you're feeding yourself with vocabulary and you have to, you have just like the human body needs food. The writer's brain needs words. That is the, that is the food of the writer. So you've got to read. Uh, with the time, we just have just a, a couple moments left. I often ask my guests to leave us with a word of encouragement or hope to our listeners. Oh, that's so beautiful, Miriam. Oh, well, I want to say to everybody, I know this has been a difficult year, but I also know that for so many, God has taught us so much. If you have lost someone you love, like I have, I'm so very sorry. And the Lord knows your pain. And I just pray and hope that you will be able to continue to look toward the future and to find Christ in the faces of all around you and to find Christ in all the good things that continue to come our way. And um, I also want to just encourage you to never give up prayer Prayer is the most powerful tool we have as people of faith. And we have to believe in the power of prayer, um, knowing that God hears and responds. And so that is my encouragement. Keep the faith and please keep praying and hope for the future. Love it, Sarah. That's a wonderful note to end on. Thank you so much for your time today. I ask that God continue to bless you, your family, and your ministry. Thank you so much and God bless you. Thank you, Miriam. It's been so much fun to be with you. Sarah mentioned that one of the hardest parts of the life of an itinerant music minister is that you don't get to spend very long with the community. That means you have to leave before you get to see how a person's spiritual journey unfolds. But my friends, that is often what happens in this adventure of evangelization. We go about planting seeds. We do our best and God does the rest. We believe that God does the heavy lifting when it comes to this mission because it really is too much for any one person to accomplish on their own. And conversion takes time. And odds are we aren't always around to see a lot of finished products. So He asks us to be faithful and to do our part and to trust that even when we walk away, the Holy Spirit is still very much at work. And it can be tough because it's a little like writing a few pages of one chapter in a book and not being able to see how the story ends. But this is where we hope and we trust. And it's why I loved that Sarah's word of encouragement at the end of our interview focused on the importance of prayer. We must not, we cannot give up on prayer. On the good days, on the bad days, on the days when it seems like nothing much is happening at all, prayer needs to be a part of all of that. Because if we are indeed going to weave in and out of each other's lives, doing our best to share the good news, then we need to be rooted in prayer and keeping our friendship with Christ at the center of it all. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please join me next time as we continue to blaze a trail of hope here in the Pacific Northwest. Until then, stay well and stay close to Christ. God bless you all. You've been listening to Blazing the Trail, produced through the studios of the Archdiocese of Portland. Join us in our mission to share the good news of Jesus Christ across Western Oregon by visiting archdpdx.org.